0: Borgosh
1: Energy, proud sponsor of the GAA All Ireland under 20 and Senior Hurling Championships. Hashtag hurling to the core
0: Hello and welcome to the Trow and Independent and podcast in association with Borgosh Energy. I'm Will Saturday to be joined as always by Michael Verney. Michael, hello. How's it going? Well, yeah, good. Thanks. Good. Thanks. A lot to talk about this weekend. You know, we had a bumper hurling and football schedules as well as ladies football and camogie. And we're going to get that uh, over the next uh, while with John Milan and Ursula Jacob in just a moment. But, but first, you know, as I know you're on the road again this weekend. The championship this week, we really felt like we were back in full flow with like kind of full cards of hurling and football.
2: Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Um, I was on the road, obviously privileged position to be able to go to a game. But uh, have you ever seen an episode of The Simpsons where Homer kind of has his ass groove on the couch? To, <laughs> I'd say there's a lot of people. I'd say there's a lot of people stationed in a certain position on the couch and getting very well, very comfortable at the weekend because the games are just unreal.
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Like, and I don't want to you know betray any you know staunch gaA fans here, but around seven o'clock, I was toggling between three different sports and three different games. like Galway Wexford. I was going between Liverpool, West Ham, and I was going between. Uh, England, Italy in the points chasing situation as well. Like, what a time to be alive!
2: Oh, it's unreal. Yeah, in fairness, like it's just and if you have the like everybody has such an appetite built up for it, and it, your appetite is getting everything it needs at the moment. There's games every, everywhere you look, and while it's going to be quiet maybe in hurling next weekend, there's a couple of really juicy football games to look forward to.
0: And I know, while it's not to everyone's taste, in particular the players who were involved in, in in some of the defeats over the weekend, but the one and done nature of the football championship is really stirring something within fans as well. I know it's a throwback, and while it's maybe not the fairest way, to, but like this year of all years, it's probably a very exciting way to come back.
2: Oh, without without Jen, for you talk, there's a lot of David versus Goliath clashes, and at least David knows if he does slay Goliath, that Goliath can't come back at him again, and that <laughs> makes it even more intriguing.
0: Yeah, no, it's been a really exciting uh, start and uh, last weekend was no exception. We'll start with the hurling and delighted to be welcoming uh, John Willan and Ursula Jacob to the show. Guys, thanks so much for joining us.
1: No problem.
0: And uh, Ursula, we might leave uh, Wexford's post-mortem for a few (laughs) minutes anyway. I know you were in Croke Park uh, on on Saturday evening for a very disappointing defeat to go. We'll start with that game in in Porky Key yesterday, two heavyweights going head-to-head in it was uh, fairly atrocious conditions. Uh, Limerick, though, very impressive uh, to, to run out nine-point victors in the end. Like, what, what stood out to you watching that game?
3: Yeah, look, they were very impressive right across the field, really. Defensively, you know, they were really strong. I thought Dermot Burns in the half-back line in particular was really a powerful force. And then, obviously, maybe the move that kind of surprised us all, maybe Kyle Hayes in the half-back position. But it seemed to work well, and it allowed the likes of Darrow Donovan to push up the field and then Keane Lynch who I think really was the orchestrator of so many moves and scores in that first half in particular. You know, Alan Flynn, I felt, struggled on him in particular in the first half because Keane was doing his his use with the ball and his possessions were were just brilliant. And the attack and play from Limerick, like at times you wouldn't think the conditions were atrocious for Limerick because... They were just springing up from all angles, Groot Hagerty doing the usual damage that he does. And like Aaron Galland for that goal, like what a response from Limerick, first of all. But he's catch, he's kick into the net. You know, he used every bit of skill that he had to get that goal. And for me, they just laid down such a mar- marker. And um, they put a really strong, um, you know, uh, showing right across the board. And the strength in their panel, really, for me, You know, at the end, they were able to bring on the subs and the subs alone contributed 1-3. So uh, Limerick at this stage look really impressive. There doesn't really look like too much of a weakness in their their team and their setup. Maybe potentially in the full back line, uh, you know, you can see that they're missing the likes of Richie English and Mike Casey. But overall, it was a really impressive win.
0: Yeah, John, and I guess while well, Limerick forwards were impressive in tough conditions. You know, Seamus Callan didn't score for Tipperary, Jason Ford didn't score from play. I think John McGrath got, got one goal on the day. It was the disputed goal after maybe a pickup off the ground in the build-up. But Tipp's key men were quiet as well. I know Brendan Cummins said today he thinks that Limerick are Tip's kryptonite in the way they play. Like well, what 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 did you make of the game?
1: Yeah, I was down to myself. Uh, for me, Will uh, Limerick At the present moment of time, they're just different gravy and they're on a totally different level to everyone else. I mean, all the question marks last weekend that that Clare were poor, Limerick made Clare look poor. And again, I mean, look what they did to Tipperary yesterday. All Ireland champions, I mean, beat them by nine points. And it was a comfortable nine points victory uh, for Limerick. And they beat them all over the field. I mean, their physicality, you know. In, that, in around that middle third, they're just ravenous. The intensity levels they bring to the table, their link play was just incredible yesterday. And uh, Keen Lynch typified what Limerick were all about yesterday. As as Ursula touched on there, he was he was their go-to guy. Everything went through through Keane Lynch and it was a masterstroke from John Coyley to throw him in at number 11 and to put Kyle Hayes back at number seven. And look, the puck outs... You're Brian Hogan and you're surveying um, out the field, all you're looking at is big you know, a wall of, of green a wall of green men. And not alone that, they're big green men and it's 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 hard to win primary possession when when you go long. Um as Brian Hogan found out yesterday. And you know, they just they just eat they, they just eat you alive in, in that middle third and you know they were just they were just incredible yesterday. And You look at the spread of the scores there yesterday. Every one of our forward score. Peter Casey he got a point. Galan two six. Raymond Catty two points. Tom Morrissey two points. Garrod Hegarty, two points. King Lynch two points. Will O'Donoghue was incredible in the middle of the field, went through a mountain of work. And then you know what they have? They have the boys to come off the bench um, and look. They're after sending out a serious, serious statement of intent there yesterday. I mean, the score three twenty three in the conditions yesterday. Was just incredible, and I think I, I honestly think I think they're a penalty kick from from um from um winning this All Ireland championship. And I think I think the only thing that could stop them, real realistically, uh, could be could be COVID nineteen. Unless if they if they were to get struck down with a couple of cases of COVID nineteen, I think I think they're on a they're they're on a they're on a mission, and I think the mission is is so to push on and 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 to win the All Ireland. And I, I honestly think I think they have Tipperary's number. I think they have the Indian sign over Tip. Um Look, they play Waterford next, but I mean, it's 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 going to take a fair, fair performance and a fair team um, to, to to take them down over 73, 74 minutes.
0: Yeah, Michael, I guess because they were playing the second favourites for the All-Ireland Championship yesterday and they dispatched them in that style. But the one thing I guess you could raise is that we were here this time last year, a similar counter in Munster where Limerick won and looked by far the better team and yet it didn't materialise in the All-Ireland series ultimately, you know, th- th- things do look to be slightly different this time although we won't really know for a couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, probably this year round there's going to be less time for complacency. They had a they had a long gap after Munster last year. I think it was four or five weeks waiting for an All-Ireland semi-final and that won't happen this year. Um, they've already shown that they can overcome any injuries. Um, they would they could do without another injury in the full back lane but apart from that they seem to have the answers everywhere. Um, I think the one one worry I would have had for Limerick was that they, not that they're predictable, but that you know what they were going to do, that you would be, imagine that you're going to be able to name them one to 15 and see what they could do. And then they put Keane Lynch center forward, which forced Alan Flynn, who was basically put out to Manmark Flynn, that forced him, or to Manmark Lynch, that forced him to go center back, which they couldn't have planned for. They put Kyle Hayes back, wing back, which he couldn't have planned for either. And they're so flexible and versatile with where they can play. It's amazing. Um, From a tip point of view, it's probably an awful lot of doom and gloom. have to remember, uh, the last two times Liam Shealy won the All-Ireland last year and 2010, they suffered a heavy loss both of those years. So Cork beat them by 10 points in 2010 when Azaki and got a couple of goals. And they were beaten 12 points last year by Limerick. And I think he'll probably... He'd probably stumble on the his best team maybe as a result of this. Amazed that Dan McCormack didn't play. When I saw the tip team on Friday night, uh, I thought it was maybe a 60-40 game in Limerick's favour and it was probably 70-30 after seeing the team. I don't know if Bonner Matter is carrying a knock, but to me he's tailor-made for Limerick. Dan McCormack is tailor-made for for them as well. Um, and I just think he'd probably stumble on his best team now as a result of that. I believe Parik Park Matter ended up uh, being taken off yesterday. He had only missed, I think, 11 minutes throughout his Tipperary career up until yesterday. He missed more minutes yesterday as a result of been taken off, but I think he had a knee injury. They, they're bought a bit, of time, a bit of time with the way the draw has worked out now as well, so they get a buy; they have two weeks to kind of regroup, and I do expect them to regroup, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they get another crack at Limerick later on in the year, possibly in an All-Ireland, well, it's probably going to be an All-Ireland semi-final or final, and I think things will be a little bit different, but Limerick do look a cut above. They're a team for every season. Really. They really are. To to play the way they did in monsoon conditions yesterday. is absolutely phenomenal stuff. And they're just relentless. They just keep going and going. And you could be like it could be a level game at Limerick and then five minutes later they've, you know, six or seven points reeled off. And it just happened so quick. Um and you can see you could see what it meant to meant to John Kiley after as well. Just even him embracing Paul Knourk after. They they really, really wanted that one I'd say and uh the, with the best will in the world and Watford were brilliant at the weekend. Find it hard to see Watford really putting it up to them for for more than an hour.
1: And the thing about it also, Will, is right. There's all this talk out there that you know Limerick's weakest line is the full back line. But you count on your hand how many balls managed to get into uh, to to get into the to the, to the temporary full forward line to go and expose them. weaknesses. not too much going in there. Now I know the, the previous week Tony Kelly got an awful lot of scores, but he was kind of going on a free roll. But even you can even count it on your hand outside of the Kelly scores. How many more balls, you know, went into the to the Limerick um, full back line. They're winning so much ball out around that middle third. And um, they're they're not giving their opponents um the opportunities to go and get the ball in to expose those weaknesses. That's how good they are out around the middle third. They boss that middle third area. They get bodies in there. They use their strength, their physical physique you know, and they're just ravenous in the tackle, they win turnovers and then, you know, they have, they have the supporters then, the runners off each shoulder, the support play, the link play and they're just an incredible, they were just a joy to watch SC, particularly as, as Verney touched on there in, in the conditions that they played in and, and for me, like where does Liam Cattle start, Mikey Bevan start to even break down, you know, how we're going to take on Limerick, how we're gonna expose their weaknesses. It's and, and not only Waterford, it's it's the other teams that that are going that are gonna face that challenge as this championship
0: goes on. Yeah, Joe. What What of Waterford? I've, it was Liam Cahill's first championship game in charge. It was Waterford's first championship win since they beat Cork in the twenty seventeen All Ireland final. Like, how, how big a boost is it for the county to finally get that monkey off the back? And and how impressed were you with their performance against Cork?
1: Oh, look. As I said, it was it was in very it was an uplifting result, and um, to get the monkey off the back. I actually fancied Waterford uh, the weekend, and when when I seen. Um, both sides being named and then when, 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 when you heard that a couple of the Cork lads cr- cried off I- injured I actually think it was it was, it was was, and I said it on the radio yesterday, I thought it was actually a four point hammering for Cork I think the scoreline is is not a true reflection on the dominance that Waterford had in this match um, and look, a massive kudos has to go to uh, to, to Mikey Bevan, Stephen Frampton and, and Liam Cattle I went down and watched one or two of their training sessions uh, throughout the course of the year and very, very impressed, and all the talk coming out out of the camp is that everything w- w- was positive. Um, and look, they were they were back to back back to their back to their normal self. Barron was was brilliant in midfield. Uh, Ty De there was was a rocket in, in the defence. Callum Lyons was 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 excellent wing back. Austin um, popped in with three scores. Uh, looked looked to be back to um, to his best as well. And then Desi Hutchinson inside and. Uh, you know, look, everything is, is going in the right direction for Waterford, but look, we, we you can't take away from how 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 poor a car acquire and look, an awful lot of question marks surround um this car team and it's the old feelings coming back, you know, they're going back to the same old, same old. And for me, I think they're gonna have a a, a a tough game in their hands against against Dublin the weekend. Look, you don't want to be sticking the knife into the players, but even the car management. I mean, I mean tie the burke. I mean, he did his pain in his hand hitting the ball, and you know, the car management looking in from, from, from the sideline, they were looking in and, and, and seeing Ty the Burke on his own. How they didn't even push someone up on him and, and try and counteract um, his dominance uh, is beyond me. But you know, it's everything is looking positive for Waterford, scored 128. Cork, you know, I think I, I, I'd worry for Cork, and I, I'd. I'd worry for worry for them this weekend against Dublin.
0: Yeah, Ursula, I guess with Cork, especially over the last couple of years, their league form hasn't been great in, in kind of conditions, kind of wintery conditions or not not summer conditions anyway. And they did look quite lethargic at the weekend. You know, do, do you do you think they can rebound in the championship? You know, they have as John said, a very tough game against Dublin this weekend.
3: Yeah, an extremely uh, tough game for Cork. And I suppose coming into this championship, the winter championship, some of the question marks were around this car team on you know, they're kind of considered a top of the ground hurling team. Are they able to cope with the difficult conditions, the physicality of teams? And that's one thing that Dublin, without a doubt, are going to be bringing this weekend uh, a huge amount of physicality. And Matty Kenny will take huge confidence with how they, they played in the second half against Kilkenny. But Cork haven't got much time. You know, they have a six day turnaround to try right some of the mistakes and the wrongs that they made yesterday against. Against Watford, and I don't know will some of those guys that were injured, would they be available to play this weekend? I'm not too sure. Um, you know, and like, it, it, whereas Dublin, you know, and like Cork and Dublin both only have the kind of six or seven days lead into this game, but like I, I would probably if at this stage I would slightly tip Dublin going into that game because I think it's the same thing every year with Cork. We're looking at maybe some defensive errors and mistakes, and maybe they don't have the strength and depth there. Um, and then up, up front, you know, there's that over-reliance on Patrick Hargan. If you hold up Hargan, what are the rest of the forwards offering? And there will be huge question marks and there, there'll be a lot of soul-searching with Cork this weekend. And they'll have to pull out a big performance to beat Dublin, I feel.
1: You, you or, or Will, sorry, just for kind of cross there. I, I'm coming to the conclusion that, you know, after Kingston's term, I'm coming to the conclusion that, and uh, we know that the traditional counties they don't go outside uh, for outside managers. Kilkenny, Tipperary, and Cork. I'm coming to con- to the con- conclusion now that I think Cork need an outside manager. I honestly do. I think it's you know it's it's becoming too comfortable, lads. Lads, it's it's becoming too comfortable for lads. You know, every week they go out. there, look, no matter what happens, if I if I if I underperform, I'm still going to get me place. You know that's. I think they need to break away from that, and that's Is what there I any manager
0: you think in particular would be good, John? Well,
1: there's, this there's there's, 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 loads of managers out there. There's loads of good managers out there that are well equipped to do the job. But I, I don't know. I'd like to uh, ask ask Vernie's opinion on it. But I'm most certainly come to the conclusion that I think they need to look outside. Well, just on that, John, yeah, it's interesting. Like they haven't changed their style at all. It's
2: as as Ursula said. It's that top of the ground. Cummins always says. That if an all-Ireland has played with all the shoulders, Cork would win every year. But it's obviously not. And there's a load of dirty ball needed to be won, and they just haven't developed that sort of style. Uh, I was amazed, as John said, I was amazed. Like they made Tyde Borka. Tyde Burke is a brilliant hurler. They made him look like an absolute hero the other day. It was like Shane Kingston got four points uh, off him, but Tyde Burke must have been on. It must have been on the guts of 30 possessions. And it was just crazy. It was crazy. It's like they had no rhyme or reason to what they were doing at all. They couldn't get Cadigan and the boys inside in the ball. I'd, I'd agree with John. I definitely think there's a radical, radical... Uh a radical kind of shift needed there. At the end of the day when you looked at the, that game on Saturday, Waterford had Warriors all over the field and Cork didn't and we did. We still don't know what the story is. A full back and centre back with them and lads were moved around the other day. Uh, they were missing Collins, Spallan and Owen Cadigan and Aidan Walsh, three big towering fellas and they just didn't have anyone to stand up and win ball, particularly dirty ball when it was needed. So I, I wouldn't disagree with what John says and maybe an outside voice is needed and something a little bit different and maybe something like what Neem Cattle is after doing in Waterford, maybe there was a de- degree of comfort in Waterford that lads knew their places were secure. Uh Neam Cattle came in and lads' places definitely weren't secure and there's a serious energy about them. Uh, I tell you one thing about the Munster final, right? Limerick Limerick will beat Waterford, but Waterford they won't be they won't beat Waterford for the lack of trying from Waterford and they'll die with their boots on and they'll be high energy and they'll work to the very end. Um, and that's what Neim Cattle has probably instilled in Waterford. But Cork, yeah, serious question marks about Cork. Listen, if they can get back on the horse and win at the weekend, they might be able to turn things around. But finding it hard to see Cork, uh, you know, been in the knockout stages this year.
0: Yeah, so I think Rexford sort have of gone under the radar long enough on this podcast after their display uh, on Saturday night. You know, Davey Fitzgerald didn't spare the team afterwards, you know, very, very critical of his of the effort uh, Wexford put forward. Um, Much like Cork, do you think there's a way back into the championship for Wexford after that defeat?
3: Well, I think Wexford will be probably happy enough that they've avoided round one of the qualifiers because they'll be looking to get back to basics and get you know, kind of look what went wrong against Galway, and the performance against Galway was far from um you know what we expect from Wexford they just lacked intensity they lacked energy um it was a bit one-dimensional at times um and Galway were just so much more slick their first touch was that bit better they had that bit more aggression Wexford just didn't have any of the answers so I think Davey will be happy that they've avoided round one of the qualifiers but They'll, they'll, you know, they, they have a lot of work to do again. Uh, as Davey said, he wasn't happy. And the thing that he was probably most disappointed with was the lack of fight in the team. And, you know, last year, that was something that was really pivotal to Wexford's performances. They fought to the end. You know, they never gave up. And it's that never-say-die never say, it's never say die attitude of Wexford. And Galway just outclassed them. And in particular, Wexford were really, really struggling. With the inside forward line of Galway. Like concannon and Whelan were instrumental in, in Galway's success. Like watching the movement of those guys, I was up there in Crow Park and the movement that Conor uh, Connor Whelan was was doing. Wexford were all over the place. They didn't they couldn't track him, they didn't know who who was making the runs, who was to pick up players and it, it allowed then Concanon in the inside line um, to have so much space in front of him. And Simon Donoghue struggled on him. Joe O'Connor struggled on Connor Whelan. And the ball that was going in into them was just brilliant. And it, it made it very difficult for Wexford to defend. And Wexford's game probably broke down every time they tried to go through that that Galway defence. You know, the half-back line were really strong for Galway. You know, Fintan Burke really proved his his place there. Shane Cooney, you wouldn't think that this was debut, de, you know, their debut games for Galway in championship. You know, they were standing up as leaders on this Galway team. And the, the thing that probably Shane O'Neill is most happy about is the spread of scores, the fact that there wasn't a, an over reliance on Joe Cannon. Um, guys stood up in defence. They were very strong defensively, but then in attack, they were lethal at times.
0: Yeah, John, I guess there's a ton of two equally compelling storylines from the game. You know, obviously Wexford under Davies always box office and their performance and his reaction was getting a lot of attention. But likewise, Galway's display, you know, such a comprehensive win, really firmly puts them back, you know, in terms of the top contenders. Like, are they the biggest challengers to Limerick in your opinion now?
1: Oh, 100%. Well, they were my tip to win the all Ireland, And I couldn't understand how people were, were, were so quick to, to write them off and not even have them up there as, as contenders. Uh, and for me, I watched them up close in their two, their last two league games. Was, uh, was you know, I watched them against Waterford and Welsh Park and they were missing an, an awful lot of personnel that day and I was very, very impressed by them. And I, and I covered the game up in um, Salt Hill against Tipperary. And I mean, it was a 15-point swing against uh, Tipperary. I mean, they're tailor-made for this championship, the winter championship. They're big men. They're all able to move. and They're well able to hurl. And you know, they had their homework on the weekend.
0: Yeah, so Michael, just to wrap up on the hurling, then you know what? what was your read on, on the Leinster semi-finals at the weekend? Obviously, you had that comeback by Dublin that, that just fell short, and then as we mentioned there, Galway's impressive victory. Uh, like, how do you see it ahead of Galway, Kilkenny, and the Leinster decider?
2: Yeah, Dublin and Kilkenny was a crazy game. Uh, we were just chatting off there beforehand. I've never, I can never remember a Cody team in particular losing a lead like that in in any game whatever about being four or five up maybe in a team coming back at them, they were 16 up at one stage. So kind of Brian Cody has a lot more kind of questions and answers going into the Leinster final. He's probably wondering, and he said after, you know, what's the best read on, on Kilkenny at the moment? Is it that brilliant first half performance or is that kind of second half collapse? But I suppose crucially for them, they still managed to to go on and, and get the win when it looked like things were going away from them. They're probably going to go in as, as underdogs now, probably heavy enough underdogs going into the Leinster final. They, this would be their third Leinster final defeat in a row if they were to lose to Galway. Uh, Galway were obviously absolutely flying against against Wexford. Just I uh, thought it was interesting to hear people uh, saying after the game. I just I I, I, put, I wrote Davy fits into Twitter and went down through the comments that were coming up, and it was just interesting. Like people people are very very. Um, Short minds like people are saying that Wexford should abandon the sweeper system and why aren't they going 15 on 15? Which I, I think is ridiculous because at the end of the day, it's the system that probably brought them to the dance and the system that brought them to Leinster final last year and so close to an all Ireland final as well. They're, that's that's the way they play for they can't you can't just go and switch on and play 15 on 15. He'd have a job turning things around, which would be interesting. Uh, as I said, that's his fourth year, and I was expecting more. Uh, coming against the Galway team, Shane O'Neill's first game. But yeah, Galway looked really, really impressive. Um They're big physical specimens. They're, they are They're tailor-made for Winter hurling. They've loads of ball winners. They've loads of pace. And in Brian Kincannon inside, it looks like they have a, a, an ideal kind of a file to Conor Whelan and even Joe Canning as well. And someone that can chip in and get... Uh, I think he took five shots in goal the other day and he ended up at 1-4. Like he was absolutely outstanding. That's going to be a really interesting final. And as I said, the carrot of, the carrot of probably avoiding Limerick uh, for the winner would be a big thing. You wouldn't have to play Limerick until the All-Ireland final. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a really interesting game as well. Um, probably marginal favourites for Galway at the moment, just w- with the way they delivered a consistent performance over 70 minutes the other day, when Dublin shut down, shut down TJ somewhat and were able to keep Colin Fenley quiet in the second half. That kind of took away a lot of the impetus from Kilkenny, so I'm sure Galway will try and do the same. But yeah, an interesting final on Saturday of the week.
0: Yeah, delicately poised the betting as well. I think Galway are ten to eleven and Kilkenny are eleven to ten. So even though you might you know we might think Galway would be marginally uh, more favoured than not, it's a toss up in the bookies. Uh, and also maybe just to finish up on, on the Camogie Championship as well. I know Clare had a very impressive victory at the weekend. They booked their place in the quarterfinals. Uh, is that the standout kind of you know storyline for you at the moment as, as the championship kicks in the gear?
3: Yeah, well at the weekend, definitely. That win for Clare over Dublin was a huge one. It's they're they're now in the quarter final for the first time since two thousand and fourteen. So we've Clare and Tip already in the quarterfinals. And then uh we've Cork and Galway playing this coming weekend and Waterford and Westmead. So the two losers from that game will be will make up the, the final two places in the quarter final. But credit to Clare, you know, they've really really had an impressive year you know they they beat Kilkenny back in the league in Ma- in February and March so maybe that was the the start to something good for for Clare this year and they'll go in with full confidence that they're after reaching the knockout stages Cork had a, a good win against Wexford and then Galway had a really comprehensive win against against Offaly. So the game between Cork and Galway this coming weekend is going to be really interesting because whoever tops the, whoever wins that game will top the group and go straight into the semi-final. So we, we, we all know how close that game is going to be. And I think... Whoever wins is going to be in a really good position to, to get back into an All-Ireland final. So no doubt it's going to be a really tight tight encounter up in Galway this weekend.
2: From a Cork point of view, Ursula, they'd be mad to get a crack at Galway, I'd imagine.
3: Yeah, without a doubt, you know, they would have been hugely disappointed uh, after last year's All-Ireland semi-final because... Many people would have tipped Cork to get back into the final, but Galway just uh, shut down all the the big names for Cork. And Cork are probably rebuilding a little bit this year. You, they've lost some key players. You know, Orla Cotter's not there. Uh, Aoife Murray's not in the goal. Gemma wasn't playing at the weekend, she was unavailable. Um, so Cork are looking to some of the new players. You know, they've Ashley Thompson back this year, which is a huge plus. But Polly Murray, you know, knows that this Galway outfit and for me, Galway probably had the strongest panel overall between any of the teams this year. They've got the McGrath sisters back in from Sarsfields and I think that's added to the team and there's huge competition for places, but it's going to be a really tricky encounter for Cork to travel up to Galway this weekend.
0: And Ursa, just to finish up, who at this juncture is your favourites to 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 go all the way at the moment? I know there's a lot in flux with with you know this year of all years, but who do you like at the moment?
3: Yeah, at the moment, I'm really impressed with the manner in how Galway are approaching each of the games. Um, you know they've played Wexford and Offaly so far, and obviously people would have strongly tipped them to beat both Wexford and Offaly, but. There's this, I don't know, there's this kind of edge to Galway this year. They, they have a point to prove. They want to back up the win from last year. And as I said, I think they have overall the strongest panel. They have the strength and depth that I think is required. Because if a, if a game is close and you need to bring on a sub, they've got the subs to bring on. Um, but no doubt the likes of Tip, Cork, Kilkenny are going to be there or thereabouts as well. But for me at the moment, Galway have, the, have been the most impressive team.
0: Yeah, well, it's set up to be a very interesting couple of weeks in both the hurling championship and the Camogie Championship. Ursula, John, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. And just before we move on to the football, a reminder, not to forget to share your gaga box moments using the hashtag hurling to the core on Twitter to be with a chance of winning unmissable rewards with thanks to board gosh energy. And Michael, it was an interesting weekend of football action. I guess the the big game was Duny versus Tyrone, two heavyweights. Tyrone now out of the championship. Uh like the kind of game of Porky Key, very, very tough conditions. And I was actually, as the game wore on, it was actually, it was a pretty high standard, I thought, considering that. Uh, very impressive victory by Dudley Gould. It sets them up really well going forward in the championship. You know, what, what was the standout uh, thing for you in the game?
2: Yeah, it definitely did have that kind of championship feel to it, didn't it? The intensity of it. Uh, I suppose, you know, like only two weeks previous, uh, Conor McKenna had went to town up in ballybuffet Buffet. He probably got his introduction to inter-county football and, you know, not how cynical it can be, but how, you know, how hard it can be to get into a game, particularly against the likes of Donegal. They were able to shut him down. I know Mickey Hart was said he wasn't kind of properly protected after the game, but kind of that's, that's championship football and that's kind of the way it is. Um, very, very impressive from Donegal. Finished out the game really strong. Michael Langham and Kieran Thompson, very, very good. Um, probably, it was funny, like Donegal, you're expecting, you know, Michael Murphy, Ryan McHugh to be really leading the way. Thompson and Langham were the two that probably the, stepped into the breach, maybe, maybe in their absence. They weren't as as influential as before. It was one, one of the big questions coming out of it too. Uh, it sets up a really, really juicy uh, Ulster semi-final between themselves and Armagh, Armagh, a good win against Derry. The question will come about whether whether Mickey Hart will be in charge for 2021 or whether he should be in charge for 2021. Um, Sean Kavanaugh, who obviously has played under him, kind of seemed to suggest that 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 Mickey should go or, or that it would be time for for him to go. Um, it'd be interesting to see. Like it, it is, it's 12 years since their last All Ireland. They were obviously in an All Ireland final two years ago, and it'd be interesting to see whether you know a new voice is needed there. I don't think like he'll be pushed. He, I think whenever he finishes in, in Tyrone, he will go himself, no more than in Cody and Kilkenny. But uh, just an interesting one. It's so early to be out of the Championship. It's so long for another six weeks to be watching, six or seven weeks, watching on from the sidelines. But uh, all impressive. But like there would be a misconception to think like that they're just going to walk through Ulster now that they've beaten Tyrone. Armand will give them lots to Armagh are a division one team next year. They'll give them lots to think about the next yeah, day.
0: Yeah, and it's like it's no exaggeration to say that the weather plays a huge bearing on these games. Like even yesterday, the narrow margins you know, Tyrone lost by two points. There was two frees from long range that with the stent were brought in to tap over freeze, like that they lost by the game by two points. And then even at the end when they were only again two points behind, they kinda of, they, they didn't really work some easy point chances they had. They had a couple of opportunities to tap the ball over, reduce the gap to a point with time on the clock. They were opting for maybe try to work a, a goal chance or I know Michael McKernan flashed from across the face a goal. The game was definitely there for them, like I think that like they would they would be very disappointed that they didn't win that game.
2: Yeah, no, there were lots of opportunities, even Conor McKenna had a free, uh, a free that yeah. he put wide, about 45 yards out as well, like, it's just so important, uh, in the hurling of the football, particularly this year, you need to have free-takers that are going to n- nail those chances, um, you know, anything within scorable range, you're going to have to take, because it's going to be, it was so hard to work a score yesterday, so hard to kick a score from play in the, in the conditions, um, so, like, Donegal were far from comprehensive winners, but they went about their business professionally, particularly near the end. But like Tyrone, Tyrone easily like a couple of little things here or there, a couple of bit bit more composure in front of goal, and it easily could have been them going through. But now they're they're out, and as I said, it's well, it's. It's, not, it's going to be a short winter in comparative terms because it would usually be finished in, in August or September, but it's going to be hard watching on,
0: uh, thinking about what might have been. Yeah, it's so funny. The, the key moment of the game, in many ways, was Sean Patton's. A standing kick out for the first goal because at that stage Tyrone were five points to one ahead. The weather was really terrible. The game was very much you know a possession game. People were ho- there wasn't many opportunities, and then one kick out from Patton. It was very reminiscent of Stephen Cluxton's kick out in the semi final a couple of years ago. They free Con Callahan for that goal. It was over the Tyrone kind of midfield area, and this let Dunygal loose it in the opposition uh, territory, and it was a great finish like patton's kickouts can be a weapon i know donal Boyle had a very interesting piece about morgan versus patton on the uh, the the, day, the weekend of the game in the irish independent it's a great weapon to have and that was a huge moment
2: massive weapon yeah it's just how important the keeper is nowadays like he he could be he could be faking to go like he's gone 20 yards out to the left with a little curl kick and then all of a sudden it's 80 or 90 yards over the top and even like that's what uh, that's what Papa Durkin was doing in goals for for Donegal in twelve and even in fourteen when they beat Dublin as well. There were these big big kickouts which which are taken basically taking possession over the press. And there's so many people pressed up high a lot of the time. If you put it over them and can get men in possession, it's almost a counterattack. Except it's you know two on two or three on three. And in fairness, when they got the chance, they, they took it well. And uh, yeah, Patton Patton's kickouts are unbelievable weapons. And I think he. He's uh, up until yesterday, we anyway, He was retaining 80% of kickouts, and when a lot of them are long like that, that's a fairly, fairly positive stat. And then on the other side, they pressed they press, uh, Nick uh, Nye Morgan into going long quite a bit. all just seemed to have more bodies around that breaking ball. I know it was highlighted on the Sunday game last night. They won a lot of those breaks, particularly in the second half, and a good few scores came off.
0: Them. Yeah, and Ulster was very dramatic, kind of across the weekend. You had Kevin Monaghan to kick things off on Saturday, where you know Monahan I think were seven points clear at halftime after a Conor McManus' goal, uh, and then they you know Kevin roared back. You know, tactically Monaghan you know really did retreat a bit in that second half, and then I think Conor McManus kicked three wides in injury time as well. If any of those go over, Monaghan or in the next round, and then ultimately you know. Uh, yeah, the Cavan goalkeeper lands a monster point at the end to avoid a penalty shootout and put them into the next round. It was great drama.
2: Yeah, I have uh, I have Conor McManus and Rory Began in my fantasy Gaelic football team, so I was I was rooting for Monaghan. But that like it's mad to say that was probably that was the first game of the weekend. I'd say and it was the most dramatic game. I'd say across hurling and football, it was a brilliant game. Um, I think Monaghan really shot themselves in the foot. Big time. Uh, like they just didn't like. I think it was kind of like they were trying to be almost Dublin-esque. You know, you saw Conor McCarthy put his hand up at one stage, and they started when he was on about the forty-five-yard line, and decided to go back and retain possession. And rather than like going for Kevin's throat when they had their foot on the throat, they just let them back into the game. Thomas Gallagher came on; he was absolutely outstanding when he came on. He ghosted around. Uh, I think it was Drew Wiley or Ryan Wiley for to go- set up the goal and the catch. The catch for for a uh, his brother, to come up and kick the ball over the bar then. Absolutely nerveless. And it was funny because I was looking back at the highlights again last night and Conor McManus came over to, to Raymond Galligan after scoring the goal and kind of gave, gave him the big one. Yeah, or but there was only, Yeah, there was only one man. There was only one person doing, giving the big one at the end of the game and that was, that was Raymond Galligan. Absolutely outstanding kick. And uh, the two Galligans were just huge there. And Gerard McKernan as well was brilliant. Gerard McKernan was particularly good when Kevin were struggling. And in fairness to Mickey Graham, like he's he's overseen a couple of massive results between the Mullignac, and Leinster final win, beating Monaghan in Championship football last year and getting to an Ulster final, and then you know beating Monaghan again as massive underdogs, having been relegated to Division 3 just the week before. It was, a, it was a, a big result and a seriously dramatic game. Yeah. As you said, McMahon has had the chances as well in normal time, chances that he would usually put over. I suppose when Rory Began put over that drawn score from a free, they're probably thinking... He probably, should have, he probably should have taken the one before that as well that would have put them one up, not to level it, you know?
0: Yeah, no, it was very exciting. And as is Cavan now with Antrim next weekend and then playing the winners of Down for Manor. They look at it as a great opportunity to go to back-to-back Ulster finals where they'll probably be underdogs if they play Donegal or Armagh, but it's still a great achievement, you say, by Mickey Graham. Sandwiched between a relegation to, you know, a good championship campaigns, which is interesting. Uh, Leinster, now another kind of dramatic weekend. And I know we talked about Davey Burke uh, last week and his Wicklow team backing up their victory against Wexford with another win over Wexford. Um, very impressive for them. You know, I think it's only their second championship win since 2014, I think I saw. Um, so they're really much on the right track, as Davey Burke mentioned after the game. And they play Mead next weekend, a game where Mead will be big favourites. Wicklow will have a lot of confidence and they're at home as well.
2: Yeah, Davy Burke looks like uh, a, a, the lad that you just—you'd really like to play under him. He just seems like he's bubbling with enthusiasm. Uh, his, his post-match interview yesterday he said he brought on two guys that hadn't really played much or hadn't contributed—you know—been around the panel much. And he just said, "You know, we knew what we were going to get from you know, loads of enthusiasm." And I suppose that's what he's trying to breed into his players, his enthusiasm to kind of make that kind of uh, manifest itself on the pitch. And it definitely, definitely did like promotion and winning a championship game is a massive year for Wicklow. Massive. And as I say to kinda of off air, Meade are probably going better this year, maybe than previous years under Andy McIntyre looked looked to be a good bit more solid. So mead are still favourites. But I think I think Wicklow it will make will keep it very, very honest. And in that sort of a low scoring game in conditions, anything can happen. So I wouldn't be surprised if they push into their pin or collar. It's still fancy Mead, but would you be that surprised if if Wicklow? I would be surprised enough to be fair. Yeah, I still, th- I still think I still think Mead will come true. But well, I think they'll keep them very honest and I think it'll be, yeah, it's an interesting game. Yeah,
0: like in fairness to me, they finished out their National League cam- campaign pretty strongly. Like they only narrowly lost to Dublin in a pretty good effort. And then they battled back to draw with Monaghan. In a similar game to Cavan in the sense that Monaghan, I think, were three up going into injury time and drew the game with Mead. Awfully uh, beat Carlo to set up a game against Kildare next weekend. And then you also had uh, Longford just about edging loud and setting up a game with Leash. Kind of similar games of well, because they will be favourites against Offaly, like the, we- the Wicklow Mead game. Like, it's not beyond the Rams' possibility that there could be an upset.
2: No, that was a good that Offaly needed that now, to be honest with you. I think that's only our second championship win in about 13 years. The last was against Longford, I'm going to say, either either four or five years ago. Uh, put up, put up a good score, but conceded a big score too 20 points a big score to be conceded this time, this time of the year. Um, Paul Roderick had a had a, a penalty saved as well, which would have made it an awful lot tighter. But uh it's a good, a good win. Like Offley, Offley are a solid side. They're 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 hard, they'll be hard enough beaten. You'd still have Kildare's favourites. Kildare finished the league, the league pretty well. Um so it would probably be a surprise if Offley were to if I would be a surprise if Offley were to turn them over, to be fair. Uh just on Longford and Loud, um I think it, it was brought up last night in fairness on the Sunday game. Samuel Wright scored one seven for Loud. Scored their whole tally, which is phenomenal. But uh, in fairness, Longford, who are missing a couple of lads, obviously, Mickey Quinn has, has, has stepped away, kind of covid related and family related. They're down a good few lads, and I think I think a few of them, will in the Octa lads, didn't go back in with them as well. But a good, a good win there would have been a bit of a disaster for them if they'd if they gone down to loud. Um, so a good win for Longford there, yeah. I don't think I think Offaly would still, I'd love it with the best win in the world, I'd love to see them beating Kildare, but Kildare have generally had the the Hulu over them, you know, for the good of the last decade. And, uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to, you know, Daniel Flynn will probably be back fit. Kevin Feedy as well. I'm not sure if we're going to have anyone to match him in the middle of the field, but, uh, I'd gladly be pleasantly surprised.
0: Yeah, no, especially because that side of the draw avoiding, you know, potentially avoiding Dublin until the Leinster final is a big card for those teams. So they'll really be making sure that they, they, they don't get complacent heading into the weekend. And I guess Mayo versus Leitrim. I know, uh, that that was obviously the game you were at over the weekend. Um, Mayo, after being troubled by Leitrim, ultimately g- kind of got over the line, and that sets up another one of these very intriguing knockout fixtures next weekend, Mayo versus Ross Common. So after watching them at the weekend, what's your thoughts going into that one?
2: Yeah, it definitely wasn't at the glamour tie of the weekend anyway. <laughs> and There was no press box or anything like that available, so we're sitting out in the cold in uh, Parkshaw, McDermott up in Carrigan Shannon. But I, I didn't have high expectations going, and I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, Leitrim started like a house on fire They were 4-0 up after 7 minutes It was 11 minutes until Mayo Mayo got on the board And uh, Ushi McCaffrey got a black card for Leitrim And during the 10 minutes he was off the pitch Mayo outscored him 1-4 to a point With, with Aidan O'Shea really having a hand in everything good that, that Mayo did They didn't use him as a, much of a target man as maybe other days But him and Killian O'Connor, for all the talk of all the new breed of lads that have been parachuted in, when those two guys play well, they all invariably play well. Killian O'Connor are very good, hit 1-9, uh, was a 4 freeze, 2-45s, and 1-3 and from play. He was brilliant. Very, very hard. Conditions are really, really tough. Um, of the new players coming in, O'Shea Mullen looks a really, really, really really, really solid defender, um, in fairness to him. Uh, Matthew Ruano obviously isn't that new, but he's a really, really solid midfielder as well. It's very hard it's very hard to to know or to gauge too much into it. I think mayo did exactly what they what they had to do like uh, uh, this is how bad conditions were like I was out in the back looking at the warm up and the back pitch like Aiden O'Shea had a hoodie and a snood on <laughs> the only thing the only thing you could see was his eyes that was the only basically part of his body that was actually that you could was go, that you, that the weather could actually hit it was that bad atrocious conditions uh but the revenge mission for them first common, I obviously beat them in last year's Connacht semi-final. The funny thing about it is now, right, and I know Conor McKeown did a piece for the Championship magazine a couple of weeks ago, Common were probably a big price to, to win Connacht. The pressure is so, somewhat now on Common a bit, because Galway have malfunctioned in, in their last two games in the league and maybe Mayo got relegated and weren't unbelievably convincing. So I think Mayo come in come in, in a nice position. They've developed a, a nice bit of a squad now. Even James Carr came off the bench again, again yesterday and was good. Uh, Mark Moore didn't feature because he had a bruised foot. But from James Horn's point of view, it was like job done. Six debutants uh, starting, two new, two new two debutants coming on. They did exactly what they wanted to do. Got, got game time into Killian O'Connor as well and that's going to be a really, really interesting game Mayo haven't won O'Connor title in five years which is kind of scarcely believable really because I think they had won five in a row or either that or they were going for five in a row before that so yeah, that's going to be that's probably one of the games of the week. Kent, yeah, next week, really. yeah,
0: they had five in a row. The fifth one under uh, Noel Connolly and Pat Holmes before they were kind of forced out, and they haven't won one since. Which is and haven't even been in the final since. So that's why it's a it's a doubly big game next weekend against Ross Common, just to finish up, Michael, on the ladies' football championship. Um, I think what got a lot of people's attention was the Dublin goal game and Hearn's free goal for people who haven't seen it. An attempted effort at a point hit kind of the upper post uh, on the left-hand side of the goal and kind of spun into the other side of the goal. And it's not one of those ones that you really almost blame the goalkeeper because it was just such an unusual occurrence. And, you know, Dublin only won the game, I think, by three points at the end. And that really amounted, in a way, to a quarter final game, given that Dublin's next one, if they beat win against Waterford, I think it is, they'll be into the, into the semifinals of the Ireland Championship. So a huge ramifications from what was a completely free goal.
2: Yeah, on Halloween night, uh, I think Dublin got fair fright, to be fair. And as, as Jerome Quaid had it up, he had the footage of the video of the goal. It was a really, really spooky kind of a goal. And it's not something that you would have really seen before. Um, I think Mick Bohan was a fairly relieved man at the end of it all. Uh, Donegal really pushed him to the pin of her collars. Uh, obviously, Sinead was good again. She scored 1-6, I think it was 1-3 from play. And Noel Healy got 1-2, but with Charlie McLaughlin, uh, was very, very good for Donegal. And it was just the, the, that goal, that goal was really, I think it was about I think, 10 or 15 minutes from time. And it just kind of took the wind out with Donegal sales a small bit. Uh, but like, I've been ch- I was chatting to Mick Bohan earlier on in the year. Um, and he was very, he wasn't particularly happy with this, with the whole Winter Championship, really. He thought putting players at risk and different things. And I think, like, the more than the, the senior football, there's a fair chance of, done it, of Dublin being taken down in this type of a scenario where, you know, preparation uh, hasn't been huge. They haven't had a huge amount of time together. I think it definitely levels the playing field a bit and uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting as it moves on. Uh, to Galway, beat, Galway beat Tipperary at the weekend in a really, really tight game as well. And there was actually a game in, a game in Borough at the weekend, Kerry beat, Kerry beat Cavan. Um, but yeah, it's the knockout, the knockout element of it. Like, imagine to say that that Dublin could have been gone on Halloween night. You know, mm. you know, it, it, it does add an awful lot of intrigue to it. There's no backdoor. The the backdoor, as we always say, it does it favors the stronger teams, favors the stronger squads. So. I think there'll be a lot. There'll be a lot of people thinking maybe that they could take down Dublin this year of all years in in the ladies football.
0: Yeah, and just before we we wrap up that Galway game, you mentioned one point victors over the All Ireland Intermediate champions. Some effort from Tipperary against the team who who lost to Dublin in the in the All Ireland final last year.
2: Yeah, big effort from Tip, and in fairness, like Tip would have played a good bit of Division One football in recent years, and in the likes of the likes of Ashley Manoni and these Arlo Dwyer, they have some they have some serious footballers. It, it looked—I I only saw the highlights of it, but it looked like a, it looked like a brilliant game. And in fairness, that's a that's a step up for that's a step up from Tipperary when they played when they played uh, Senior Championship in eighteen, I think it was. They were you know competitive. But you know, weren't getting that close where they could actually get a you know a big result against a big team. Mm. So uh, from their point of view, it's it's a difficult one because that normally would have been a really good game to build on for you know a possible run. But now they're now they're out um, from from the likes of any dual players with, t- with Tipperary. I think Ashley Maloney's playing dual now. I suppose at least she is a silver lining and they go back playing with the typical team. But it is tough for a team that delivers a big performance like that not to have, you know, another chance at it or another chance to build
0: on it. Yeah, well, it's all the play from the ladies football as well as all the other championships we discussed today. So much to look forward to over the next couple of weeks. But for the moment, Michael, thanks so much for joining me. Cheers, Will. And that's all we have time for this week on the throne and association of Board Gosh Energy. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week to review all the championship action. And in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsor of the GAA All Ireland Under 20 and Senior Hurling
1: Championships.
3: Hashtag Hurling to the Core.